0: The
1: last couple of weeks. Hello, listeners. Hello.
0: Welcome back. Welcome. It's, it's been a while, I think, is, isn't it? has yeah, been, a, yeah, it's been a while. It's always a while. I guess any period of time is a while.
1: It is. That's what I meant. It's been a sort of. Uh, it's been
0: time. It's been time. Time. <laughs> it's been time. <laughs> time, ladies and gentlemen. Time. So welcome back. A tedious argument. You, you know, it, it's been a. I imagine it's been a tedious wait. But we're back, and we're back with episode six, Jamie.
1: Is it episode six? Episode six. Already, how time has flown.
0: (laughs) Time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it has, and and we're we're here, and we we think we've got another two in us before you leave and we get back to business. I
1: depart for colder climes. Yeah, so are getting somewhere warmer going somewhere colder I reckon too um, I think we have our final well, we'll reveal this week's topic in a moment we have our final topic already sketched out we have been doing the research because first comes the research we've always. researched it thoroughly always um, but I think we should be open to requests I say that mostly because we haven't had many requests um, we've
0: had some comments <clears throat> So episode, episode, if you remember episode 5 was the um, we were revisionists yep. the outward quote, nice quotation mm-hmm. Um the uh, revision pod, and, and, and we got... You know, the people, people listened, and we did get some... A few people listened and said it thoroughly confused them. Yeah, we got um, some emails, but of course we save emails to the email section. Um, but my, yes. my favourite comment uh, was um, a student <coughs> who, who, who actually spoke to us, didn't, didn't email us mm. about the pod, but did listen to it. And in fact, tried to listen to it once, and then listened to it again. Well, he actually used face-to-face communication <coughs> rather than email. Absolutely, because what? this is uh, the lovely Marina Kobayashi. Legend. Uh, no relation to Mr Kobayashi from The Usual Suspects. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that was... Isn't it? Okay. Right. I'll watch it. Fact. Uh, and uh, Marina said, yeah, I listened to the, li- listened to the episode. I-, yeah. I-, I felt it was just 20 minutes of silly jokes. Yeah. And I think that was harsh. <laughs> it was. And then she listened to it again and said <clears throat> it was okay. Really?
1: Yeah. I thought she just to it again and realised it was actually 40 minutes of silly jokes, but... Uh, that she didn't pick up on.
0: I think I think she I think she was you know once again gave an insightful uh, she did critique of our work yeah and uh, thanks Marina for your kind or at least honest words
1: yeah exactly yeah and then she then walked off preparing for her IB exam um, in a sort of mild state of panic which suggests that the revision pod didn't really help
0: no. neither had your teaching for two two years, years of teaching Probably yeah. probably not. <laughs> either. <laughs> um, but lovely person.
1: oh well, exactly. Yeah, and she's <laughs> done the best she she could for the teacher and the pod that she had to, to Absolute, go
0: off. Absolutely. So thanks, Marina, for that. And, yeah. Uh, what else? Have, what else have you been doing, Jamie? Anything? No, no, not much. But it, ha-
1: it has been very strange without seniors in the senior students in the building and without my yeah. you know, my senior classes. I've I've been a sort of a, a mere shell nay still, husk of a being
0: do you still go into the room and just deliver learn? I do I, I go
1: in and I still I still plan activities for nobody I, I lay a sort of single red rose in the seat of, of all students mm. um, and then sort of deliver my usual brand to, to nobody
0: I have the awkward situation when I see some of them in the corridor and I already can't remember their names
1: <laughs> when did you graduate Yeah, and they're, saying, and they're saying
0: to me Mr Allen Mr Allen the exam went well I'm thinking all I can see is a dollar sign <laughs> It's awkward. I just have a neck, and on top of it's a big a sort big of dollar, dollar bill. Yeah. They pay your wages. Um, but okay, I mean, look, I'll, I'll keep up the pretense for a while. And, yeah, you know. but
1: it, it, it is is—it's very strange, isn't it? And of course, the build up is so intense, and then they, sort of, they disappear. The great up. abyss. The great yeah, it, it, we spoke about before. It's the abyss that suddenly there's this sort of this emptiness. And of course, students with um, sort of compassion. Um, always come in and sort of tell us how they're doing and they tell us how the exam went and they come and say hello occasionally, but others just fall off the face of the earth. Yeah.
0: yeah. What,
1: whatever happened to Jackimo? Big Jack <laughs> <laughs> Well I hope Jack's around because I might need him to DJ at my wedding. Uh, <laughs> but um whatever happened to or any of the characters, but
0: it's a complex we'll world, but I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say today that we're we're back We've we, we've dealt with the the emptiness, the void, yeah. and we're back, uh, if not to our best, then to some sort of mediocre yeah, true. Uh, level of learning. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna offer another pot. Yeah,
1: exactly. And if in C block you see sort of Mr. Allen marching uh, back and forth in an empty classroom, sort yeah. of salivating and madly things on the walls, then of course that's his way of dealing with the loss of yeah. his uh, his adored high level class.
0: Yeah, or. I'm seeing people that other people aren't seeing.
1: <laughs> like um, Russell and a beautiful mind. Yeah, absolutely. John Nash.
0: Absolutely the Nash, Nash
1: what you will be like.
0: So this is this is what we're offering. Anyway, so uh, so in, without National further ado, in, in keeping with Marina's advice to keep the to ba- keep-, keep the banter down. See, I thought that was levels. I thought that was
1: the best bit about the the pot. I've, I've always presumed it was the best I think bit. Marina Tuna, she actually wanted some exam advice and she was yeah. bitterly disappointed.
0: I've always presumed it was the best bit, but I mean I certainly plays seem to be suggesting that, that is the the tedious argument is becoming tedious.
1: Yeah, um yeah, but I don't like to, to rely on data. No. I, like to, no. I like to rely on sort of intuition. Yeah. My intuition says we've never been better. No,
0: that's right.
1: Data says we're at an all-time low. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I trust my intuition far more. Um, I think the the, the statistics are: so episode one, forty one thousand plays; episode five, hundred and twenty three. You do the math.
0: I guess it just mirrors other aspects of my life. My wife always <laughs> says I'm worse for the knowing. You know, when
1: she first was well, nicely phrased. Yeah, that's right. When Sorry. she
0: first met me, she thought I was really interesting. <laughs>
1: But it's, says, it's hard it's, to keep that up. The
0: longer I spend time with you, the, the kind yeah. of the more vacuous and pointless I find you. But it, I think which is.
1: But, but everyone has their threshold. Everyone's interesting for a certain amount of time. Yeah. I mean, yours is <laughs> yours is, I don't. know, I think I, I'd give you. A, I think you've got a couple of months of being interesting. Yeah. In you, I think I'm, I'm more of a sort of weeks kind of man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Six days. Yes, <laughs> really. Yeah, I rest much. on Sundays. <laughs>
0: Definitely.
1: Um, of course, other folk have a few minutes in them, but we sure know our limits.
0: Your telegrams now, Ooh,
1: okay. Jamie. I've got te- have uh, <laughs> got a
0: telegram here, Jamie, from um, a lovely little writer, actually. Which yeah. is I don't mean to sound patronising. Um, uh, her name is Aaron Darty Roy, a good mm. uh, good political and social activist, um, good, good lady of the left. Good strong five syllable name. Uh, yeah, for all the uh, all the L's. Uh, and <laughs> she writes, um, <coughs> Neil and Jamie, um, greetings. Uh, I enjoyed episode five, even if the students didn't. She said, uh, "One thing I have to say: <laughs> there is a war that makes us adore our conquerors and despise ourselves." Ooh, which is pretty. That's nice. It's pretty deep. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not Sure, where we fit in. Yeah. Whether we're part of the first person plural pronoun. We, we
1: could be either side of that.
0: Uh, and if possibly, it's... I'm on one side, and you're on the other.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, also a telegram, uh, Daniel and Jamie. No, actually, no, I it's actually so dear Jamie and Neil. See, I, I, I say Neil and Jamie because I think you've worn me down. Mm. You've sort of... Uh, oh, because it's my pod. I am, <laughs> I, I am the oppressed. Yeah. The more you say something, the more it becomes true. Um, dear Neil and Jamie, um, this is from Ngugi Wationgo, a, a Kenyan writer who we'll talk about later and refer to him as Ngugi, which is how he's uh, referred in the academic terms.
0: Like the Brazilians.
1: Um, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, and they take their last name until they started being a bit weird about it. and started calling themselves Little P and stuff, like Chicharito, which what? just means a like little P. <laughs> what
0: would be your What would be your Brazilian, stroke, South American name? Oh.
1: Um, can I choose any word in the? I world? I don't
0: know. I haven't really, good, thought I haven't really that, given
1: this really I, I obviously haven't prepared a response to that. I think I would just go for my name. Because as John Proctor in the Crucible says, "It is my name; it's the only one I'll ever have."
0: Well, as, as Eddie Carbone says, I, "I want my name, Marco." I want my we,
1: name. Yeah, I think you, you should explain to Marco Alexiadis. You keep saying to him, "I want my name, Marco." <laughs> explain to him that that is a line from a uh, "View from the Bridge." Yeah,
0: he always looks a bit awkward when well, I, sh- when I shout it at him. And, in the corridor. and I think it's a bit unfair. What that, my name, Marco? Uh, I
1: think it was very unfair that as the students went into their lagging lit or lit paper <laughs> wall, you said that to him as he walked in. It's like, it's just gonna confuse him.
0: That's true. That's whereas true. I
1: like to give words of good luck to the students that yeah. walked in, whereas you like to confuse them with some sort of cryptic. Best really.
0: of British. I want my name, Marco. I want my <laughs> name. Running my name Marco. like a dirty rag down the neighbourhood.
1: <laughs> I hope Marco just wrote. I want my name, Marco, a hundred times. <laughs> Um, sorry carry on no, actually, I thought that was quite a sort of um, no, it's quite an interesting moment that sort of seeing the students go into the final exam where you give them your final words of wisdom and yeah. as English teachers all I could come up with was good luck
0: I stood on the top of the stairs and I started doing sort of a dance you did yeah by then.
1: which I thought, I thought was better I think you've, you've you've put off a lot of my students but maybe that was the it's plan or engage them for the first time <laughs> exactly <laughs> No, I think they're quite used to that in class, actually. Um, Anyway, Ngoogie sent us a telegram saying the real aim of colonialism was to control the people's wealth. I think we know that. What they produced, how they produced it, and how it was distributed. To control, in other words, the entire realm of the language of real life. But its most important area of domination was the mental universe of the colonized, the control through culture.
0: Pithy. Controlling. me <laughs> Yeah, so i like to give him a nice I'd it was nice and short from a googie. Oh that's catchy. <laughs> you just Ooh, that's got me let me let me go home and ponder yeah. on that one. Interesting. stuff. Yeah. No, good
1: stuff Ingu- Ingu- you can you just rephrase good- it in, in Google Ingu- Yeah, Gugi. but his name isn't exactly sort of catchy and pithy either, is it? It's good. from the, the Left Review. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Good stuff. No,
1: it was a Telegram sent to us.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes, taken from the Telegram to <laughs> Neil and Jamie. I've got one more Telegram, Jamie, from uh, a, a guy called. He calls himself Uncle Joe, Mister um, Joseph Conrad. Ooh. He writes. Um, <clears throat> When one... I don't know what he quite means by this. When one has got to make correct entries, one comes to hate those savages. Hate them to death. It sounds like Ooh, a, it sounds like a debate death. in the French election. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible stuff. Hate to, hate to death. Hate to death. Hate the savages to death. Boy, boy Um Yeah, yeah which is... It's like a rousing speech from Theresa May. It
1: sounds like a United forum after we <laughs> start on the playoffs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you sometimes forget, don't you, when yeah. you when you read b- below the line, as I like to call it. Yeah. I mean, you actually sometimes forget just that that perhaps not everyone has enlightened views.
1: <laughs> no,
0: no, no. I don't. I don't like to sound like a sort of liberal elitist because I know those, uh, you know, much of the much maligned liberal elitists. But there's some, ter- there's some,
1: there's yeah, some fairly there's outrageous
0: a... things yeah, parading a... as. Comment,
1: yeah. Uh, um, Mr. Bishop asked me today if on the, if, the internet, <coughs> if which, on the, the internet,
0: which you can learn. I mean, which is a shame, cause in a way. You can learn anything on the internet. But, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, know, but well,
1: Mr. Bishop, big uh, tedious argument fan, of course, um, asked today whether Legion I did official was actually an official Instagram page. Um, and sent me a snapshot of some of the language on
0: it. I, I sent me a
1: snapshot. I, I yeah. oh yeah you were commenting on it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that was official or not. Um either way it's sort of, it's a bit disconcerting for the the state of the world and sport.
0: It was talking of talking of uh you know Mr Bishop. He, he you know, he's a big he's a big tedious argument fan. We've got a few colleagues who a big tedious argument fans. Not many. Uh, Scarpa big
1: yeah, yeah. big fan. Scarpa yeah. Uh, Mr yeah. Bishop. Well exactly, not many. Um Miss um, M- Hayne hears it sometimes when I'm editing.
0: My, my, my yeah, my wife has has listened. Um, There's a the difference between M- Ann-
1: active listening. Mrs. and Mrs. Allen
0: <laughs> has listened to all of them. To be fair, to be fair to her, she's, no, she which I like, imagine is a is a. Yeah, she's
1: never she's never sort of complimented me, so I, I guess she's heard them and then decided to keep her own counsel on it, which is which is fair enough.
0: I think she sent you an email once saying it was okay.
1: Oh, was it? oh, true. It was yeah. It was okay. It was okay. But still, still, it's feedback, it's it's, bit, which is more than we get. It's best the best feedback I've had in ten years of
0: marriage. <laughs> um. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, um, your topic of the week now: post-colonialism.
1: Oh, so normally we have a sound after. We have a sort of gothic. Ooh, or we have a romanticism.
0: Ooh,
1: or we have a dystopia.
0: Would any post-colonial sound just, just be appalling racist? Yeah,
1: I think it would, yes. But, but, then, but then the silence that speaks volumes.
0: The silence, yeah. Uh, the yeah, of, actually the
1: silence is the deeply s- symbolic. Yeah. Let's do it again with a very deliberate silence.
0: Your topic of the week now, post-colonialism. Nice. nice, yeah. Jamie uh, post-colonialism was one of those things when I was a when I was a university student hmm. that sort of floppy haired, long scarved bicycle cycling <laughs> what else would you do with a bicycle? FOPS were you know, would yeah. sort of talk to me, you know, I used to really I studied English literature, I loved it. I studied philosophy, I loved it as well. But I didn't love the sort of seminar pomposity. No. You know, you go in there and there'd be, there'd be some fop telling... And it, inevitably talking about post-colonialism. And I didn't really understand yeah, it. Yeah. I, never really, no one, I never really got a clear definition of it. Mm. And I never really felt I had a clear understanding. And it seemed to be one of those things that um, students would drop... Into conversations in yeah. college bars, popular night spots of yeah. York Ziggies. Uh, the gallery, formerly known as Silks.
1: Gallery, I had some bad experiences in the gallery. In the
0: gallery, were you in the, ga- yeah, the gallery days? Was, was this to just yeah. say, Toffs?
1: Uh, to- uh, no, I think that changed its name. Uh, the gallery, I remember because it's sort of nine flights of steps. It was just steps leading to steps. It was mm. like that ridiculous Renaissance painting. Steps heaven. leading to steps. Still but to there was no heaven in, uh, the, in
0: gallery. the gallery. Only hell. <laughs> only, only different levels of hell. Yeah, it's definitely Dante. How many levels does Dante have? Nine, yeah. <laughs> nine levels.
1: Of, whichever one was the most hellish. That was uh, that was the, the gallery. gallery nightclub. Yeah, um,
0: but but I mean th- th- that idea of going in there and suddenly some some guy dropping post colonial I didn't really, I didn't really yeah. understand what he's talking about. So t- you tell me what you think it it refers to.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, so by definition, I, I think it is one of those things that um, I mean because it's a it's a sort of late 20th century idea um that let's start studying the the details and the nuances of what happens when a country suddenly receives freedom from an oppressor and let's really start to explore that and of course in in literature let's really start to explore that in um in how it leads to sort of fictional representations and so on it it it, it is it's a it's a tough one to make sense of but i think I'm just colonialism is quite simply that that process of a an invading power or an external power controlling and regulating um, a group of locals or natives. Then post-colonialism is what happens afterwards when that controlling power leaves. Mm. And and I think for everyone in the I think late 20th century, we realised that the process of removing an oppressor is more complex than just a moving, just removing an oppressor because you then have you then have these. Issues of neo colonialism. You then get these sort of vacuums that someone else steps into control. And, and then it's, well, what happens with all the things that have been left by the oppressor? Do we keep them or do we throw them out? Um, and I think sort of late 20th century literary criticism and theory was interested in those ideas. And, and I guess it's one of the things, unlike we spoke about dystopia before and romanticism before and revenge tragedy. And of course, that feels very removed from the present day in terms of its production. But post-colonial literature feels very modern, so everyone got very excited about it, and, yeah. and it became a chat-up line. How post-colonial are you?
0: Yeah, or, or indeed a, a chance to marginalise me in the gallery. <laughs> but, but, okay, so, so on that, though, if, I, if I'm going to Google it, and I, I, this is a, you know, feel, feel free to do this yourselves. I mean, if you Google post-colonial literature... Yeah. Um you, you might get a definition and the definition might be something like this. I mean, you know, it's a body of literary writings that reacts to the discourse of colonization. Yeah, that's okay. That's yeah. more or less what you just said. It often involves writings that deal with issues of decolonization or the political and cultural in, in, independence of people formerly subjugated. Yeah. I mean, to 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 synthesize that if you like for our listeners, what what and, and to break that down, what they're basically saying is Post-colonial literature is exactly what you would think it's saying. It, it's mm. literature that, okay, does what literature does. It it explores real-world contexts through human personal stories. Remember, mm. these aren't history textbooks; mm. they're works of literature. <clears throat> um, building on what we did last last session, last uh, pod, we're we'll talking about context. I think. It might not be our favourite angle of literature. I like picking up a book and, and it 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 having influence on people for what it does artistically mm. and emotionally, regardless of whether they've done the research if you like. Mm. However, I I would rally against this death of an author death of the author mm. narrative. The idea that authors' purposes don't matter. Mm author's creation doesn't matter you know it's all about interpretations of the work that's just n- mm. patently not correct or at least not correct at a high school level where yeah. they are asking people to comment on context of writer and therefore by association purpose of yeah. writing and postcolonial literature surely has a message yeah. and a purpose to comment on the society in yeah. postcolonial times
1: Well, yeah and and that's why i think some of these texts texts that we would we would um, categorized as post-colonial are some of the best texts to teach because i think there's such an interesting intention and it's almost it's yeah. and, and it's in those cases where the writer has has a real burden of responsibility to create a voice or to create a history or to um, sort of reestablish an identity for a country or for people
0: quite i mean it, almost to the point of being quite didactic right i mean they're actually yeah, trying to yeah Say something quite clear. Yeah,
1: and, and, and they, they become very sort of instructional texts. And then you've got the context of reader. So, what if the person reading it mm. is of the heritage of the country that was the oppressor? Then, then, then how do we start taking it? And of course, we'll talk a later, I'm sure, about the debate between Achebe and Conrad. Mm. Um,
0: I mean, it wasn't a debate between them because, I mean,
1: of course, Conrad died earlier. The, the debate between the and some words that Conrad had it's once like written. Me, me
0: debating with my great great grandfather,
1: which I'm sure you do. Regu- I regularly debate with Shakespeare, and I I regularly sort of Wins. I hope I win, <laughs> <laughs> win that. Even though I really regularly it. debate
0: with that cat from. Uh, from Zola. Uh, Francois. <laughs> Francois the cat. French for French. Which, which
1: um, on IB paper, paper two, a question about non-human elements. And if my students didn't write about <laughs> Francois the cat, then they're really missing a trick. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway. No, but okay.
0: but, but, but so, so as I'm Googling best post-colonial literature, and I've just sort of explained the, the, the um, discussion there. Why then when I say top 10 post-colonial lit- literary texts, mm. do I get Comrades Heart of Darkness? He enforced his passage to India. Um, to an extent, Chinua Achebe's uh, yeah. Things Fall Apart, which yeah. are clearly texts written during colonial imperial periods. Yeah. What does that tell us about post colonialism as a term?
1: <laughs> sorry. Sorry, you caught me unawares <laughs> for that one. Um
0: and, and, and I'm glad you didn't answer my rhetorical question. Because <laughs> I'm trying to put look I, look, I think I mean post-colonialism, yeah, but... it, it can, can mean two things. It can mean the aftermath of colonialism, yeah. Like, looking at um, Roy's the God of Small Things, for example, you know, very much post colonial mm-hmm. literature. It's not it's not really about the the effects of colonization that much. I mean there's no. some references to attitudes towards the English and things. But mm. um, it is certainly about a a country but, but, yeah. after the time of colonisation. Yeah.
1: But, but, but I would still say, my guess is the texts <laughs> that come up are still late in the colonisation phase as they can see independence appearing to, to, um, amongst other colonised nations. And there's this sense that a nation is soon to gain its independence from the oppressor. So like Conrad, for instance, Heart of Darkness... You you get this even though it's written during colonialism, you get the sense it's not going to last. And I think you
0: know, well, only, only because yeah, okay, okay. Tell you what, rather than let's let's be more systematic about this. Yeah. Let's talk about some texts and give some yeah. reactions okay. to it because I think that's the easiest way. I think we'll come to Heart of Darkness. Yeah. We'll come to a couple of others, but but okay. So there there is a sense that some postcolonial literature. I think the point we're trying to make is written during the period of colonisation yes. and Jamie's argument that maybe we see the end is nigh or mm. or maybe it's just a comment on what happens to native cultures when mm. they are sort of taken over by an oppressor, right? Yeah. That, that's a valid, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and we'll try and reflect that with some examples and then we'll move into what we call probably gen- genuine post-colonial mm. texts and texts that are really reflecting on what's left behind after... Decolonization, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, and then we'll look into relevance today. Yeah,
1: and then we'll look at your emails now, which involves zero emails. Uh, yeah. well, don't, 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 don't get <laughs> so, giddy, don't get giddy. Sorry. Something might come through in the next 10 minutes. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm still watching it. I watch my emails like a hawk. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I'm on like there all day.
0: Um, um, unaware that everyone is just communicating <laughs> via Snapchat. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, still, I'm outside that yeah, I'm still,
0: I, I still wait for the postman every morning what are you,
1: exactly I wait for my landline to ring <laughs> 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 my land, ironically my
0: landline rings all the time Is it? why Yeah, by then, we just don't answer it
1: because it's a call centre yeah, it's, yeah. It,
0: it, cold calling like in the 80s I wish I got cold called I just, I just
1: want my landline to ring we get
0: cold called all the time but to the point that now we don't answer the phone so I hope it's not an emergency <laughs> you know, I hope no one's dying occasionally
1: I walk into the office and I went for someone to leave a note on my desk it, just, it never happened. Today, true story There today there was a folded up bit of A4 paper that looked slightly, it looks. It looked like it had been dropped in a puddle and um, so I assumed that somebody had written me a note and when I opened it up it was just a blank piece of paper. Ooh. I cannot explain the disappointment. Yeah. I, felt, I was hoping that someone had left a note that had also sort of seen a puddle because that for me that sort of Sort of genuine communication but there's
0: nothing there. A deep, rich symbolism yeah, if, so, if, so, you, if you will. Yeah,
1: so if I was, if I was like, particularly miserable today it was because no one left the note on my desk. Um, occasionally you'd have notes on my desk, Mr Allen, which I was which always grateful. Well no, for. I push
0: things onto your desk.
1: You do, which I keep thinking does that count as a direct correspondence when you push a bit of Mark student work onto my it's desk. Instead
0: sort of thinking about that. Think about the actual issue of post-colonial Oh, of sorry, sorry. And, uh...
1: um, getting distracted. Um, so we have let's go for oh, I'm gonna start with with Shaky. So of course our oh. our friend uh, The Great Bard. The Great Bard. Have
0: I told you about Henry IV? let
1: <laughs> Let's get on with uh, let's get on to the subject of colonialism.
0: Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to do your, your plug
0: for Henry Uh Henry the Fourth, come and see it.
1: For for, for Neil Allen fans, <laughs> there's a lot happening this month. <laughs> for, for
0: Neil We'll see you at uh, the Théâtre Petit Varia yeah, what, on, a, what,
1: this, what the seventeenth the biggest theatre in Brussels. Any
0: time between the nineteenth and the twenty fourth of June, although apparently I can I'm not allowed to perform <laughs> on the twenty fourth.
1: Why not? What are you doing? Uh,
0: nothing important. <laughs> um, so playing at my wedding. So go on, go on.
1: Um, Say more. So let, let's let's start with um, I think one of the earliest forms of colonial literature is probably William Shakespeare's The Tempest. Bill. We, yeah, yep. which is which. Of course, it never received that label until much later. But it's a story of um, an Italian magician who is banished to a remote island, um, and and there he encounters a native. And,
0: Derenio Brownini. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. No.
1: Psychological illusionist Prospero, <laughs> and, and he he comes across a native of the island, and the play really deals with some of the what happens at that moment when. The person who's just arrived in a space encounters the person that knows the space, but it's just—it's just so wonderfully distilled, as, you, as you'd imagine from Shakespeare. And, and Shakespeare is weirdly sympathetic for the native in uh, 1611 when it's written. Caliban, Caliban, yeah. yeah, this is before the first—the first colony is set up by Sir Walter Raleigh, of course. This is before colonialism, and it, he's just before, before he moved into bicycle <laughs> manufacture. <laughs> Great bike, the <laughs> Raleigh bike. Used to have more noble aspirations,
0: <laughs> and before he's starring in *Rolling Black* at it. Look that, that up on YouTube.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good performance. Um, but just a very, very sensitive take, and and, and a, beu- a beautifully written take on what happens when someone who arrives with power—of course, it's a magician, which is basically sort of symbol for aristocrat. Someone with power shows up on an island, has none, but just assumes it immediately over the natives, and the natives grant that power to him. Yeah.
0: Um, well, they're all... I mean, I, I, I know we're not talking about the Tempest sort of per se, but... There are lovely little lines in that that suggest that Caliban tried to rape Prospero. Yeah, guilty. he Miran- says. Miranda, would, no? He says
1: I would have peopled this isle with Calibans. It, yeah. it, it's a, it's a, it, that is as good a one line as the Macbeth line where Lady Macbeth reveals that she's had a child who's died, yeah. and suddenly we I say, have given suck. I've given give suck. Yeah, it <laughs> was a great line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not one for the night spots <laughs> of Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> and of course... In that, well, they certainly never used in the gallery. they get No, very
1: rarely. And of course, in, in, that, in that one line, it reveals so... You know, we suddenly see them more sympathetically. Have they lost a child? And then the ghost children make sense. And, and a, the famous
0: essay, How Many Chit... You know, there's some weird essay which is, is actually used as a, <clears throat> um, a sort of counter example of what, what literary analysis shouldn't be. Yeah. But it's something like, you know, how many children has Lady Macbeth got or something yeah. like that, some famous... Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's a fairly pointless question. <laughs> um, Speculate all day
1: long. Yeah. But the, um, but, but the Tempest is, you know, that one line that when Caliban says, I would have peopled this isle with Caliban's had you let me. Basically meaning I would, have, I would have raped you to have more children like me to people the island and claim it and... I mean, it, it, it's a horrifying line, but of course he realises that he needs power and he, he needs reinforcements, he needs an army to take on the oppressor. And I think that's one of the first takes. But of course it is sensitive in that Caliban's language is by far the most beautiful language in the play. Prospero sort of talks about sort of um, all the ills he wishes to inflict on Caliban, whereas Caliban talks about you know the, the beautiful natural terrain of the isle and um, how Prospero first arrived and he t- how he taught Prospero about how to find sort of the... The, the fertile areas of land and the nice fruits, so, and you know where the, the the water flows and so on. Mm-hmm. This this really idealised image of the, sort of the helpful, accommodating native, who is then just sort of oppressed straight away. You taught
0: me language, and all I know is how to curse. And how to curse, yeah, things, things like that. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, <clears throat> and we'll we'll come to that, especially when we talk about you know aspect like Roy's India and things mm. like that. One of the great, great. Defensive arguments about the British Empire is like mm. we we gave the Indians a well functioning railway system, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Uh, ironically, we've got a terribly functioning one in England. <laughs> um, but, but okay, so The Tempest, Shakespeare's last play, famously. Yeah. Cross breaking his staff at the end is often symbolically sort of aligned to Shakespeare sort of breaking his own magic. Giving up his powers. Giving up his powers. Retiring. So retiring. Yeah. Um, that's
1: 1611.
0: Yeah. So. Quickly give us something a bit later and then <laughs> I, I want to launch into the 20th century.
1: Look, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of great stuff in, in, the, in the 1800s. I think for the 1700s, and I, I'd go for either Robinson Crusoe or Gulliver's Travels, both, I think, seventeen, so before 1720, around like 1720. But both of them just fascinating. And Robinson Crusoe, of course, he, he arrives on a desert island, meets a local and just assumes control over him because the local doesn't speak English, calls him Friday because he finds him on a Friday and just adopts him as his slave, which, you know, Defoe doesn't mean this it, 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 by any means as a sort of comment on colonialism, but he just reveals the mindset that if anyone didn't speak English, then they needed to be controlled and they needed to be sort of given English um, in order to be enlightened. Um, and it, 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 I think Gulliver's Travels does kind of the same thing, and we see a, a traveller move across different of course, fantasy lands, but but all of them is about that encounter, and and one of them he lands on uh, is it the Isle of the Hoonhims.
0: The Winhims, yeah. The Winams, yeah. And,
1: and of course, they don't know what lying is. Until the, ho-
0: the horses. The horses, yeah. And they don't know what
1: lying is until God of teaches them what <laughs> lying is. So in, in all cases, we see that what happens when two cultures come together. Um,
0: well, I haven't, I haven't got it handy, but there is that great line at the start of um, uh, Howard Zinn's *The People's History of the United States*, mm. which basically. Uh, is so well researched and 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 powerful that, and he was obviously as a you know sort of a, a man of the left was trying to change, uh, the way history was taught in schools. History, of course, yeah. always told by the the victors, um, and uh, he you know he said that you know American students should should understand the history of their country. This the first line is with, uh, um, the arrival uh, sort of cooks or. Uh, um, Columbus's arrival sorry mm. at uh, in in the United States. Mm. And uh, it's a brilliant description of saying the natives came up to us they obviously didn't understand sort of um, you know any any kind of uh, f- weapons because yeah. they they cut themselves on our on our swords. Wow. And, and um basically says they they're strongly built they're this they're that with 50 men we could subjugate them all.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: opening of Columbus's diary you know yeah. that I, that People idea just of just the, the imperialist mentality and, uh... yeah and,
1: and, and we'll talk a bit about language in a minute but I think language is a big part of that if they didn't speak English then they needed to be controlled taught English and if they didn't know who God was they needed to be taught who God was yeah absolutely so it becomes this, this sort of this justification, but um, but, but I, I think literature of the 1700s and 1800s is fascinating and that of course these guys have no idea they're going to be read 300 years later when the world isn't globalized place and, and things have totally changed they have no idea that they're giving us just some absolutely fascinating insight into yeah. how that colonial encounter was seen and just in the arrogance with which yeah. with which we encountered others
0: and we've talked about that we've talked about other sort of what, what you could also call sort of post-colonial works in 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 literature we've talked about um, forster who famously wrote passage to India we're not, we're not really going to talk about but' it, it, a great a great novel one of my one of my favorite novels that I've ever read passage to India um, and uh, we've talked about Forster's other work. We, mm. um, no, sorry, not 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 even Forster. Um, H.G. Uh, Wells, who's uh, the Time Machine, yeah. which has you know all kinds of colonization elements to it yeah. as well. But uh, I'm going to leap ahead to uh, my favourite author again.
1: It's uh, the Orwell,
0: is it? Mr. Orwell. So Orwell, of course, uh, in the early 30s was working for the British Empire in, in Burma, and. Um, a couple of fascinating insights P- probably the probably the best essay you'll ever read mm. uh, is his essay shooting an elephant and everyone mm-hmm. should read it nobody should get to a certain age in life without having read Orwell world oh, or if yeah, you've got any self-respect whatsoever. um and um basically you know oil's a policeman mm-hmm. in burma and, and and he hears that an elephant's and then of course what the big discussion is is it, is it even true there's there's mm. Lots of writing that says maybe the whole things are made up. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's meant to be his, his honest, true uh, regales of his time in Burma. And he's sitting there and he's saying, um, basically gets this, this word that um, an elephant's gone, gone, gone must. Mm. And he's sort of uh, running through the village and has actually trampled someone to death. And uh, as the uh, imperial leader, he has to intervene. Um, as the, as the policeman, if you like, and um, so he chases after, he he, he follows the, the the rumors, and he eventually finds where this elephant is, and uh, and he sees the elephant. And at that point in time, he realizes this elephant will do no more. Oh, it, it's all, you know, the the, the uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the the person who's meant to look after the elephant is uh, is. Is, is, has not got control of him but the elephant has, the, the moment's passed right? yeah. and, and it's, it, it's going to be absolutely fine. As soon as I saw the elephant I knew with perfect certainty that I ought not to shoot him. It's a serious matter to shoot a working elephant comparable to destroying a huge and costly piece of machinery and obviously one ought not to do it if he can possibly avoid it. Blah, 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 blah. It, he knows the must has passed. <clears throat> the mahout could just come back and catch him easily. Uh, Moreover, I I did not in the least want to shoot him. I decided I would watch him for a little while to make sure he did not turn savage again and then go home. And this is crucial from Orwell. But at that moment, I glanced round at the crowd that had followed me. It was an immense crowd, 2,000 at least and growing every minute. It blocked the road for a long distance on either side. I looked at the sea of yellow faces above the garish clothes, faces all happy and excited over this bit of fun, all certain the elephant was going to be shot." And he carries on and he says, At that moment I stood there and I first grasped the hollowness, the futility of white man's dominion in the East. Sure. Here was I, the white man with his gun, standing in front of the unarmed native crowd, seemingly the leading actor of the piece, but in reality I was an absurd puppet, pushed to and fro by the will of those yellow faces inside, behind. <laughs> I perceived at this moment that when white man turns tyrant... It's his own freedom he destroys. Mm. I knew I was going to kill the elephant. And he later on says, the I did it to avoid looking did the fool.
1: He did, yeah, we we do the best line of that story, of course. He goes on to just sort of, he looks back at it and thinks, how on earth was I forced into, into this yeah. action? But
0: And it's a, there's a horrific description of the elephant dying. Yeah. As well
1: as, uh, it, it, it's, it's a brilliant... I don't know if we to call it a short story or an essay because we just don't know, do we? If it's...
0: No, I mean, it's it's called an essay, but as you said, it could it, it could just be a fictional short story, isn't yeah. it? Uh, there's lot there's lots of scholarship that says it's just made up, but...
1: but I mean just just fantastic reading, and I think there's lots of really interesting short stories around that time. So I mean that's what 1930s, isn't it? And then uh, yeah, maybe thirty two, thirty three, yeah, okay. like and I really like um, Robert Louis Stevenson's South Sea Tales. He also Treasure Island. It. Treasure Island, well, so Treasure Island's another book he wrote, which of course, is every sort of, every school I've been at, has done Treasure Island as a school play at some yeah. point, Alan Hayes, why not Treasure Island as the next school play.
0: Is Johnny Depp in it?
1: No, not, not in my school, he wasn't. Oh, yeah. no. am I getting confused? No, you had Jim Carrey at your school, didn't you? Jim, Yeah,
0: not the not famous actor. You still had Jim, Jim Carrey the in your school. The guy Jim Carrey with one R. Um, yeah. Oh, that's
1: not quite as good yeah, no. I'm sure he could have done the, done the play I mean, we had Tom Stoppard I mean I wonder yeah. I'm sure he could have done a great um he could have a done screenplay. a great Keith
0: Richards stroke Johnny Depp pirate he
1: <laughs> could have yeah. which is what, it's what Johnny Depp modeled uh, Jack Sparrow on. I Keith, know Keith that's okay, why I said but, it yeah alright so why would I say I, it I don't know I thought you just you would just, just put tourette. two and two together and, and come up with four just saying that um, rather than five <laughs> <Time>. <laughs> it was four actually um but uh, Robert e. Stevenson, for fans of Jack- Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, you um, spent time in the Pacific. I'm
0: just a just... fan of uh, Mister Hyde. <laughs> Definitely, I read, even ironically, Dr. Jekyll. I didn't read the rest of it.
1: <laughs> just read the Hyde bits. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: my Hyde side, to quote Will Smith in uh, Yeah,
1: you're my Jekyll, and this is my Hyde side. And what's it from? Um, uh, um, literally, boom, shake the room. Boom, shake the room. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I am a jackal on. This is so fellas. I came here tonight
0: to see the crowd go. Go
1: boom! Shake, shake, shake! What would that look like to see boom, shake, shake, shake the room? What what does he really want to see that night? I don't know. That's because he came here tonight to see that to see the boom, shake the room.
0: Sounds like an implicit celebration of terrorism, which I I reject. (laughs) <laughs> carry um, on,
1: carry on. Yeah, that's about it. But, but just, just fascinating short stories from uh, Stevenson on um, South Sea tales, travelling through the, the Pacific, and just the way in which he speaks about his encounters with the native and with mm. um, he's, he, he's forced into sort of various uh, decisions, just like shooting an elephant, where you realise that they have absolutely no control of sort of culture and they just can't get you wrote that Stevenson cannot get a grip of what's going on around him so he acts in the way that he thinks he's expected to act. He just gets it wrong. Um And there's brilliant stories and, you know, we speak a lot on these pods about our favourite genres and I don't think either of us would say our favourite genre is, is post-colonial literature or colonial literature.
0: You love but fantasy. Yeah,
1: I do like a bit of, fan- of uh, uh Do I? Yeah, <laughs> do I? It's all right. I don't think you do. Uh, no, I don't really. I prefer sort of gothic. In, I like, like Harry Potter. Uh, have you Do you really? Did no. you know that I like Star Wars? <laughs> um, but, um, but, but for for a genre of literature, literature that is just so revealing of the psyche of yeah. um, you know, the people that write it, it has to. It it's has. I mean, it has to be the most.
0: I mean, I, I believe that all writers have. There is an aesthetic in what they're doing, but they 're writing for they 're writing to convey a message I, yeah. I, I think if we start going down the line of the death of the author we 've got problems I mean, yeah I, I agree, why, why would you I sit agree. down and the, the motivation that it takes to write a novel yeah. you 're not just doing it because just ideas are coming into your head that 's nonsense no, exactly. if you believe that 's crazy yeah, yeah I mean but the idea that we 're writing things that um, post colonialism is quite. Mm obviously writing with message. But yeah. listen, let, Jamie, let, let, let's segue a little bit because, I mean, I've, you know, obviously I've done my all-world bits, So I'm more or less I'm happy. <laughs> um, and you've done The Tempest, you love all that. Yeah, I do so, love that. So let's, I mean, look, the, the two that, <clears throat> I think if you're, if you're just having an introduction to post-colonialism and you're starting to understand the, this difference between, you know, literature about the, about, essentially about imperialism and why maybe it isn't that cool. And literature about the remnants, of what's mm. left after the imperialism. Mm. There are few better tales to follow than Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Chinnery Achebe's Things Fall Apart. Yeah. Mainly because Achebe in 1977 gave a lecture where he called Conrad a bloody racist. Yeah. Uh, which I think in mm. itself is, is is a bit racist. Is
1: <laughs> I'll say Things Fall Apart not to be mistaken with the, uh, the the 2014 movie starring 50 Cent. Is that right? Yeah, there's a movie called Things Fall Apart. I, I, so. I got really excited. I, not, thought, I thought it was Things Fall Not to be mistaken with no. Things Fall Apart.
0: Not to be mistaken with the last time I played Jenga or <laughs> the cupboard in my kitchen. <laughs> but, or my <laughs> motorbike. <yeah. laughs> Or my last car when I drove into that rock.
1: Or my T.O.K. class today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or my creaking limbs and my bowels. (laughs) That last bit, listeners, was a joke.
1: It's fall apart. Or there's also an album by the Roots. Um, The Roots, sort of a hip hop band. Band. Are they a band for the hip hop? They don't play anything. They just uh, no hip hop. (laughs) Compendium of humans, collection of humans, group of human beings. Are you, are you dropping names
0: of cool groups to show that you're not 35?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then showing I don't know if, whether hip hop is called the band. Then, uh, well, exactly. that, yeah, and then which him
0: ironically, age. at that point, you that you shame I mean, it's undermined,
1: yeah, everything I said, yeah. Um, but the roots, you've got to start cool.
0: feeling comfortable with your age.
1: I'm not, I don't comfortable. I was very happy at 15. <laughs> 15 was good,
0: yeah. Do you feel you're on a slight slow, slow downward spiral to death, yeah, yeah, me too.
1: We are objectively speaking,
0: yeah. Every and day, everybody. I feel a little bit less happy and a little bit more in pain,
1: yeah, <laughs> 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 a little bit more terrified. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so on that note, and and, and, um, I, and I hope we've you know made connection with some people in their forties. There, um, we okay. are we are talking about. Think... So so let, let let let's deal with this idea. So Conrad wrote the Heart of Darkness, and Heart of Darkness was about going into the Congo, which of course, mm-hmm. uh, very very quickly historically is a fascinating uh, example of imperialism. It's probably the only well, example uh, of imperialism. Well, it's the, uh, probably the only. Yeah, we're well, here in Belgium, and it's the Belgian Congo, of course. Um, but it's probably the only example of imperialism that didn't have like a civilising no, or, 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 or sort of missionary the, mission. The, right? There was no
1: pretense that, it, that the trips to the Congo were about sort of spreading the word of God, for instance, mm. or, or spreading English or of democracy. Or just, it, you, was you, just a, it was just a sort of playground for King Leopold.
0: So even though every, pretty much every sort of imperial state was about resource stripping mm. i mean it was one which just didn't even pretend to be about anything mm. else right but of course heart of darkness isn't doesn't really discuss the belgian issue it sounds it seems to be a criticism of british imperialism that i've taken one step away from by making it in the congo yeah is my mm. take on it um but of it's, course
1: it's, it's such a, that's why it's such a fascinating title and this is why when when a says that conrad is a racist i mean in what way is he taking the title, the heart of darkness? Who's the heart of darkness? The heart of darkness surely is the Western oppressor.
0: <laughs> well, That's
1: the heart of darkness. But
0: well, I think, but I think, I mean, he does pick on things that are essentially racist, like you... the way he describes the Africans. I mean, a bit mm. like the, the tintin in the Congo, yeah, which RG's, is uh, yeah. But you, you can't be too radical. I mean, it's impossible to be. You are all, We are all creatures of our time yeah. and place. So, so there's no way Conrad. Conrad was writing a radical anti-imperial novel yeah. and he was told it through, I mean, I'm not going to go into the great detail, but he told it through a very interesting narrative structure. It was mm. like a, a picaresque sort of journey mm. along the river, if you like. And um, As we cycle cycle through, Marlow is our sort of narrator. In fact, the whole story is told in sort of direct speech, mm. pretty much. A bit like um, Ram the Ancient Mariner.
1: Mm. Um, water, water, everywhere.
0: <laughs> All the balls did shrink. Uh and uh but as we get to it, yeah, the Heart of Darkness is cursed. And of course, people have not read Heart of Darkness, A read it, B, watch Apocalypse Now.
1: Yeah, brilliant, uh, brilliant movie.
0: Wonderful movie. I love this I was movie. waiting at the end
1: when it said no animals were harmed in the filming of this movie and it never said that. <laughs> that cow. That poor cow, I mean, that's just like that's not CGI. It's incredible.
0: Really <laughs> that's actually a cow. Yeah, that's actually I mean, a cow.
1: Of course it is. It, so how do you know? It's, just, it's awful.
0: It's a flipping cow. It's awful. Mind you, that's it. Lots said, of I animals that's it That said, I, I, I get really upset by that, and then I go home to a lovely state. Yeah, I've um, always You know, let's see what happens. Um, so okay, so so he wrote that 1899. Sometime in the 1970s, Ichibi wrote um, about Nigeria mm. in the late in the 1890s, mm. and of course, my first your first instinct is to think Nigeria French. French mm. colony, but actually, if you look at history. British in the late.
1: Well, it was Niger and Nigeria was was separate.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, it, and you actually got sort of Britain in the late 1800s, yeah. um, and uh, and it's a, a wonderful novel yeah. about um, the white Christian missionaries arriving yeah. and on their iron horse. But it, is, it has
1: the greatest last paragraph of any like, you've got it right there of course you have right. Mr Allen just pulled out of his top pocket right. yeah. which is, I thought was quite impressive
0: so so the whole novel tells the story of a conqueror and it, in fact they, they, they use as an illusion um, Yates is the second coming yeah. turning and turning in the widening guy the falcon cannot hear the falconer things fall apart the centre cannot hold mere anarchy is loosed on the world and the whole part one of the novel is pointing out this this terrifyingly different culture. Yeah. You know they 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 throw twins in the evil forest yeah. and all these kind of things. D- dreadful patriarchal society where we, yeah. the man sort of knocks the woman around, has sort of thirty six wives and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Um. But uh, I I can't imagine how many different Netflix accounts you'd need, uh, for thirty six wives. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then you get to which isn't sexist actually. I kind of just. Point yeah. out right. <laughs> realism. Disclaimer. <laughs> realism. Uh, and uh, and at the end of part one, someone gets shot mm. by accident. Part two leads to this. And part th- you know during part two, the the, the colonials arrive mm. on their iron horse. Yeah, it's the great uh, bicycle. So yeah. For metaphor fans. Um, and, uh, the, metaphor. <laughs> the Iron Horse can be bicycle <laughs> or train, depending on what country the book is written. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the Iron Horse in uh, the Iron sort of, what would it be? It would be a long one. it's a pogo pantomime stick? Horse. It's a pogo stick in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> pantomime horse. And, and, uh, and then, right by the air, Conquo basically ends up, the, the main guy of the novel ends up hanging himself. <laughs> And there's this wonderful last last paragraph. It says uh, uh, the commissioner, the district yeah. commissioner, who's overseen this guy. this death of Conquo hanging himself, and all the and just this terrible description of this society. You know, the second coming. The first coming was this isn't great. the Second coming, but it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. And then the commissioner went away, taking three or four of the soldiers with him. In the many years in which he toiled to bring civilization, did it toiled to bring civilization mm. to different parts of Africa? He learned a number of things. One of them was that a district commissioner must never attend to such undignified details as cutting down a dead man from a tree. <laughs> such attention would give the natives a poor opinion of him, an echo of Orwell. Right? As he walked back to the court, he, uh, in the book he planned to write, he'd stress that point. As he walked back from the court, he thought about that book. Every day would bring him new material. The story of the man who had killed a messenger and hanged himself would make interesting reading. One could almost write a whole chapter on him. Perhaps not a whole chapter, but a reasonable paragraph at any rate. There was so much else to include, blah, 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 blah. He'd already chosen the title of the book, The The Pacification of the Primitive Tribes of the Lower Niger. It's
1: just just a brilliant last paragraph. But but there, I think that Achibi sums up what we haven't yet summed up very well, which is the role of literature and writing in telling the story of those peoples who lose in history. And, and of course, you know, Achebe's other great quote, which um, I'm sure you're familiar with, is, until the lions produce their own historian, the story of the hunt will glorify only the hunter. Ooh. And, it, and it's that idea, is that history is always told from the perspective of the winner, or mainstream history, and literature, in post-colonial literature, is trying to give a voice to those people that lost. And, it, and it's, it's, of course, Achebe knows it, in his last paragraph is that, he said, this... In the history books might be a sort of a small paragraph, I'm gonna give you three hundred pages on the struggles of this individual man and what it really meant. Um and for me that that's that again, it's the beauty of literature, it plugs that little hole, it's that thing that we don't really have access to elsewhere. Um
0: the, the voice of the of the marginalised. Yeah, the voice of
1: the marginalized and that's why again we, we talk all the time about why the, the I B is such such a in English, is such a fantastic exam, but a question a few years back about talk does literature, give a voice to the oppressed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely it's one of the aims of literature. We see it through Achebe, um, we see it with a plethora of other writers today, we don't really have time to come on, but we could talk about uh, Narayan, we could talk about Desai, we could talk about Aandhati Roy, yeah. talk about Ngoogie, as I've already mentioned, um, Salman Rushdie as well. Wow. I mean, it's so many writers that are, that are giving a voice. And and, and I think that's why... English
0: patient. Oh, the English Michael patient. And Darcy. Yeah, yeah, classic. Why Sir Sea? John Reese. What um, once, Jean, Jean, Jean,
1: once, Jean, once we're, were warriors by Alan Duff? A great movie as well. But it's, it's it's New Zealand, and it and it's as soon as the oh the the, the Maoris the Maoris, but because of course the the, the because a lot because Maori culture define itself by challenging the oppressor, and then when the oppressor leaves New Zealand. Yeah. Then suddenly you've still got this Maori culture, and then you've got the the rest of the country that kind of tried to find favour with the with, the with the imperialists, and and it, it's still there's still
0: a culture clash there today. Do you know it's I just... lived in New Zealand? Didn't yeah. What? Yeah, it's fascinating you should say that because I uh, when I was uh, keeping my um, you know, in fact, I wrote a, I wrote a blog post about this not so long ago, but when I was keeping um, uh, my my travel diary in my yeah. year after school yeah. I lived in New Zealand for seven, seven or eight months did it? yeah and in fact I, I, the only time I've ever seen Once Warriors was mm. when I was living in Auckland were, were you terrified like,
1: and wanted to leave immediately? no, well, no, it's
0: not, well, no it, but it's, it's about, South, it's about I, mean, I was living in a nice sort of mm. posh bit of Auckland but you know in South Auckland where mm. the, the sort of Maori areas and, and really poor mm. disadvantaged sort of patriarchal kind of Maori culture um but even then it's nineteen ninety seven, even then mm. the left behinds and it was uh, a Fett.
1: Oh, um Tamara Morrison. Yeah was, yeah, was was
0: was the guy and, and that is a harrowing yeah, anyone a who should movie. read Once Warriors, I mean yeah. it's a, a, I'm, a I'm so sure Alan Duff,
1: it. the writer, there's a sequel called What Becomes the Broken Hearted, which I, again I just think taking that song lyric just just encapsulates that colonial experience that you know, people that have lost so much and then you think you've got freedom and then there's this sort of neo-colonial phase where you're just ruled by the same kinds of people only maybe they were born on your country now and yeah. and it, oh, it's oh, i just think it's
0: that's like that, that fantastic yeah I mean, that, that, that that brilliant sort of um, well i mean if you if you look to the, the you know french french revolution I mean, one, of mm. the, one of the great instances of of overthrowing kind of illegitimate power only to be replaced replaced in the same
1: despotic ruler (laughs) yeah but but I think it's it's just it's post-colonial literature is one of those areas that just I think it's it's essential in in creating that discourse And, and the interesting thing is if you look at sort of 19th century I think it's what Edward Said in his essay Orientalism says that For years, talking about other races and other ethnicities and other nationalities was a way of defining ourselves. And this is still, this is neoconservative theory today. We still say the same thing, that to understand who we are, we need to create an other figure. And we do it all the time, of course. You read the newspaper and you're talking about about terrorism and sort of Islamophobia and so on. We create another to work out who we are. And Saeed said that this is what literature did for hundreds of years. We worked out who we were by creating... um, a sort of fantasized image of the other he says the orient was almost a european invention um the Euro- the orient is not only adjacent to europe it's the place of europe's greatest and richest and oldest colonies the source of its civilizations and languages its cultural contestant um, the orient has helped to define europe or the west as its contrasting image we have to define something to oppose ourselves to it and for hundreds of years that happened and then certainly late 20th century as you said in the gallery nightclub. Obviously, I'm now a post-colonialist. We realise that the other side is starting to speak authentically through Achaebe and through Googie and through Narayan and Roy and Rushdie and all these fantastic writers. And you know, that's just that's the that's the maturation of literature over hundreds of years. It's just fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good, So, so where does this leave us today? Right?
1: Well. um... So look, I think today what we'd probably want our listeners to do would be next time you hear a depiction of the other in the cinema or the news, probably more the news. Um, sort of take care over who's depicting that other, yeah, um, and why we're depicting them in that way. Is it is it a self affirming project? Is it about defining who we are more than defining who they are? Um, yeah, and I think, and also we see it in literature today. Literature is. I think Achebe would agree and and Googie would agree. Let's remember, both these guys wrote in English. So they want the nations of the oppressors to, to read about their struggles. And I think they would both say, um, you know, it, it's about sort of regaining some dignity and restoring some national identity, which is what they're trying to do through their writing. As you said, th- things fall apart. The first chapters outline some practices that we would see is horrific or the drowning of the twins or, yeah. Um, yeah. but of course it, it's, it's regaining that dignity in that past and, and another quote from, uh, from Achibi that I have here is, he says African people did not hear of culture for the first time from Europeans, their societies were not mindless but frequently had a philosophy of great depth and value and beauty the worst thing that can happen to any people is the loss of their dignity and self-respect. And the writer's duty is to help them regain it by showing them in human terms what happened to them and what they lost. Yeah. So the writer's job is to is to try and capture that culture that may have been lost. And...
0: Human history is, is is all... I mean, human relations, is everything comes down to power. Mm. Who has it and how do they use it? Um, and I think... I think if we take anything away, it's... <laughs> So that TOK question, how do we know what we know? Most of what we know about things outside our own experience have come from information that may or may not be reliable. In fact, in many Mm -hmm. cases, isn't particularly reliable. It would be a fair point, right? Um, And depending on where your sentiments lie and where your sensibilities lie will depend on whether you're the person that says, I don't agree with this story about other people because I think fundamentally other people are the same as me. Mm. or you know it's just that those people are different and and i think if if we take any story and we start thinking well if imagine if you're the one with no power mm. imagine if you're the one who whose story is being written for them and about them how, how would that make you feel because that's probably how 95 percent of the world's population feel all the time all the mm. time yeah um and that degree of empathy, uh, sympathy, even let alone empathy, may just help you yeah. to achieve those targets of, you know, being open-minded and appreciating mm. different cultures and not just thinking that your way is better and all those kind of things. No, I, I mean, I, you know, look, <clears throat> the, the human history is is complex and and it's difficult to find good information. But I think if maybe we should turn to literature before we turn to any other sort of what we call non fictitious Mm -hmm. news sources Mm -hmm. because actually non fictitious news sources tend to be fairly fictitious for all kinds of reasons. And and literature actually is is personal and decent and and you have differences. You have the, the the perspective of someone like GB Roy, Mm -hmm. you know, native people from those cultures writing, um, Monica Ali, brick lane, Mm -hmm. for example, um, uh, you know, lot lots of writers um, Fugard's Master Harold and the Boys. You oh, it's all Fugard. Yeah, yeah, yeah you South know, African, Good, good, good stuff. Yeah. King Jamaica. Jamaica King Right, Brilliant. lots, lots of sort of post-colonial stuff. Um, uh, and, a small and, place, for example. Yeah, and
1: and also, a lot of these writers are on the IB prescribed list of writers yeah, that yeah. They, they want to be taught in schools. Means that the IB is fairly aligned with what we've been saying here. That, that even the... J-
0: James Joyce's Dubliners. J- yeah, know. yeah. Kurtzies, disgrace. You know, the, the, well, the, the is a tough one. But... Yeah, tough, tough writer. Graham Greene's The Quiet American. Yeah, you know, the, 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 there are writers who we are we're referring to here because they have written these things where they are giving voice about their own culture, about the culture. But don't forget people like Conrad and Forster, yeah. um, who were. Utterly radical. I mean, things they mm. were saying against... Orwell. Mm. The things they were saying against the imperialism were very brave and very radical. Well, yeah, and let's
1: remember in, in the 1600s, 1611, Shakespeare gives the native a voice. And he gives them a really dignified, poetic voice. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and for me, that's enough to say that, okay, even though in that play there's all kinds of racist terms thrown around... Right racist by modern standards but just dehumanizing by sort of renaissance standards he refers to caliban as a tortoise and a fish and a mm. thing of darkness and so but he gives him a voice and it is such a compelling voice that i, I think that's for me that's evident enough that that actually that shakespeare has also been pretty radical for a renaissance mm. audience saying well let, actually let's try and get inside the head of this character and i think that's something that, that good artists always try and do get inside the head of the the characters that they're depicting and consider all of their political backgrounds, ethnicity, situations, and so on and and but it's taken sort of gradual steps from sort of Shakespeare mm. to, through um, Gulliver's Travels, where he looks at how the Westerns corrupted the, the Hoon hymns, mm. um, through to Forster and Conrad, and then we've got this literature that exists today. So it's it takes a long time to get there. But
0: mm. Tony, we Mor- get there? Tony Morrison about yeah. kind of the life of the African American. Yeah. And- your emails now, <laughs> Jamie. i uh, we, we we have had some emails. <laughs> Wait, see, I never get
1: just, I never get anything. Can you please just Emily Ratto, French, French. Oh, oh, French for Fr- Ratto. Uh, she. Oh, true. She. Uh. Yes. To both of us. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, I forgot that one.
0: Emily wrote to say, "Well, you can you can say."
1: Yeah. Um. That that was a really nice email saying um, how much she enjoyed it. I was disappointed that episode five was the first one she listened to. But she confessed the first one she listened to, but she said she enjoyed it, and uh, I can't remember how she phrased it. But she, she
0: found it very useful, and she made some good notes. And she, oh, I said, she made notes to it. Yeah. yeah, she thought it was very useful. Legend. and I do think that we it would be a remiss of us to not mention. Uh, Sebastian's, Sebastian's Sebastian Ringo. Ringelstetter's email. Yeah, very and nice And a genuine email. email. He said, just watched podcast number five, which...
1: I didn't realise it was in live stream.
0: No, which says it all about Sebastian. And let me say this, and I definitely want to be quoted on episode six. It's 95% banter, 5% education... But that 5% is the purest, most enlightening source of education available at the school.
1: Oh, what a legend. Well, and he came out and he said to you after his exam that he embedded eight quotations.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they could be quotations of anything, but. <laughs> even, I think he quoted he Dr. Dre, Philly He said, top stuff, the Mr. Bins part is hand down the highlight. And highlight I can't uh, remember those. Uh, not harlot. harlot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he took lots of good notes I suspect he took lots of notes
1: yeah good um, man
0: so, so Sebastian do well done you know it's been I wouldn't say it's been a pleasure hanging around with you for two years but it's been okay so thanks for that <laughs> um, and um, I think that's uh, I think I think uh,
1: obviously um, Matteo has been pushing for a sort of uh, final pod he was asking for a, a final inspirational pod to sort of see him through exams and I said yeah. Matteo, do you think we come up with this Knowledge just sort of over a couple of hours. We need weeks to get this stuff ready, so I said it wouldn't be ready for his exams.
0: A brother-in-law Matthew Waghorn got in touch again, to say he's been listening to a couple of episodes, and I'll tell you who I saw at a, at a, a second-hand book sale on Saturday.
1: Oh, i new cultured. Oh, you cultured.
0: Rosita Craig, a mother of really? you uh, and Craig. Jordan, Sam, and, and Ewan. Sammy yeah and, uh, and, and I said oh it's good to see you. I haven't seen you for a while she said I've been li- you know of course I've, had, I've, I've listened to your podcast many times yeah well actually
1: I, yeah so I, yeah she emailed me and asked for the link and I forwarded it wow. and then you get the,
0: you get the no she was there feedback. she said I've been listening to your podcast and in fact Ewan wanted to listen to it as well so he's been listening as well yeah. and Sammy and Jordan have, have, have tuned in so the, 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 thank the, you very much yeah for your, very kind the yeah.
1: feedback I got from Mr. Bins was um, what do you guys talk about on your podcast no. Which I thought was excellent feedback for someone who had listened to any. Listen no, it is. I mean, it, <laughs> it's the right question. <laughs> it is. It, but yeah, I, I, I can really answer I,
0: it. I wouldn't call it feedback. I'd say it's asking, "Is it worth me listening to?" And the answer is, of course, an emphatic no. A uh,
1: very emphatic no.
0: Um, but, no. But thanks for that. So, uh, yeah. look, Jamie. Uh, you know, this. I'm not going to get emotional now, um, or indeed in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, but we we definitely do have one more pod. In our proverbial bellies, before I fly the nest. Before you quite literally fly the nest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not shout out to Nick Nestor in the middle school, and uh, and so we'll 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 see each other anon. We will. Uh, which is another plug for Henry the Fourth. Yeah.
1: Adieu. And adieu. And adieu. Have you done your plug for Henry the Fourth yet? Do you want to do it now? Um. Have come you s- done come it? and see
0: Henry the IV. Fourth. I've done it.
1: Oh, you have already done it. Okay. you want it again. No. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do do do